Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, March 2nd. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year Lockdown Padres Podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapena. If you feel so inclined, please, please, if you feel ever so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions you guys might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. We are in week, is this week four already? I think it's week four. Week four of the Lockdown Padres podcast. It's It's been fun so far, and I hope you guys are enjoying it just as much as I enjoy making it. Small, light episode today. There's not, like, too much going on. I didn't have anything particularly special planned that I wanted to talk about. But still, I uh, just wanted to talk about some of the things that happened over the weekend, some of my observations from the little bit I did get to see of some Padres ball this past weekend. And I have a little bit of a, a special mini thing, I guess, later on in the show that has to do with Will Myers that I'm going to save for then. But let's get right into things, guys. Some quick observations. On Saturday, Denelson Lament went two innings, gave up no runs, and struck out three. He did give up a hit and a walk, but still... Nice outing. He looks good. He looks solid. And he's arguably going to be one of the most important guys in need of breaking out this year. In a way, I'm actually more excited to see him pitch than Paddock, which I know is like blasphemous. And the sheriff cannot be touched. He's unrivaled. Of course, I'm not saying that Denelson Lament is better or anything. But, I mean, he didn't pitch really last year. You know, he, he got hurt. I think that Denelson Lament is a high strikeout potential guy. And if he can kind of make that jump, and have that breakout, that gives the Padres a nice one-two. And that's a start, especially considering a lot of the potential. Big pitching is kind of far down the road. And I know a lot of people are saying, hey, Mackenzie Gore, is it possible he makes the opening day rotation? I don't think so. I think they're going to treat him with, not kitty gloves, but they're going to ease him along, definitely. So I, I would doubt we see him opening day or the initial months of the season. Maybe later on, I could see them giving him some some experience in the majors. But for now, no. Really excited for Denelson. But another player that I think is one of the most important guys in need of a breakout is Francisco Mejia, who just watching him this weekend, like it's very simple why we should be talking about Mejia. And that's because we need some offensive production from our catcher. I mean, Austin Hedges batting 170 isn't going to cut it. Like, what is this, 2014 Jose Molina? Like, I can't. We need something better than that. The only time I've talked about Mejia actually on the show was for the fantasy minute we did from a couple weeks ago. And everything I said there, I really didn't mean it. I recommended everyone, you know, kind of looking into him for a draft prospects-wise, just for potentially getting a cheap bargain bin option at catcher, a position that I hate. But anyway, that's fantasy talk. But I would say one thing I noticed is he didn't look fully... Again, I didn't get to watch too much of the game. I, I was doing a lot of stuff this weekend. But he didn't look fully comfortable behind the plate. You know, and that's that's okay. One ball, I think, actually got past him. I could be wrong about that, but... Francisco Mejia kind of just has to be average behind the plate in terms of defensive stuff, and you just kind of can't make the Padres force the issue of, oh man, is he so atrocious behind the plate that we need to put in Austin Hedges again? I doubt it's going to be like a full-time role thing. Obviously, they're going to have the two of them, and if Hedges is a guy that I don't have to see bat every five minutes, great. Really exciting, and Mejia definitely has some offensive upside. I've talked about the stats in his August where he hit like Nearly 300, bunch of extra base hits, four home runs. So I'm keeping an eye on him. And also, the last thing from the weekend in terms of games that I wanted to talk about was yesterday, Sunday, Tommy Pham's first hit was acquired in my Friar Faithful homies. Why is that so important? 
Get on base. So he walks a lot. He gets on base a lot. Rocco, do I care if it's a walk or a hit? It's just as simple as that. Tommy Fan, one of the most important pieces of the team. I've been talking about important breakouts with Mejia and Denelson Lamette, but we already know Tommy Fan's legit. He's great. He's just one of those guys that I really love the trade, and I don't think it was talked about nearly enough in, in MLB circles amongst people outside of San Diego and San Diego fans. I don't think people really talked about it enough that it was just a smart, savvy little move for Preller to make that just improves the team and gives us a more solidified outfield. But now I want to talk about, I guess, the only major news the Padres made, the acquisition of Brian Dozier, who I love, of course. (laughs) But the big thing that I feel like I saw was there's been some rumblings about Jerickson Profar and how the Padres might already be considering dumping him. And I was reading from uh, a piece on Friars on Base from Jake Mastriani, who's a friend of the show, of course, friend of the pod, who was on Friday. I recommend you guys listen to that episode. We talked about all things Padres. It was a lot of fun. And just to, to read an expert from it, the Padres and Profar agreed on a $5.7 million salary for the 2020 season. That means if they cut Profar before March 10th, 16 days before opening day, they would owe him just over $900,000. Or if they cut him between March 10th and March 25th, they would owe him about $1.4 million. So the whole thing here is this could be a money thing. They could save a lot of money. And the big thing that's happening right now, according to San Diego Tribune piece that um, Jake talks about in his piece, that the Padres are kind of concerned. And one of the big concerns is that he's looked lost, like at second base. He's been bad defensively, like he can't field. You know, that he can't, he doesn't have the arm for it, is some things that I've been seeing. And that's concerning. Very concerning, and it would mean, basically, it would probably give the the job to Dozier, I would say. And like I said, the reason, one of the big reasons Dozier signed there was because he feels like he has the best chance to play there. Even amongst all the the litany of people like Ty France and Rathal and all, all these guys who are competing for that position, Dozier would probably get it by default, I would say. Eh. I don't want to say by default, but he would, he'd be the, the likely candidate. He's the faithful for the primary. <laughs> And that the Profar would kind of be the the Pete Buttigieg who, as of recording this, just dropped out of the election. You know what I mean? Like one of those things. No more politics talk, I swear. But in terms of this whole thing, I know that Jerickson Profar was pretty bad last year. He batted like 218, had an on-base of 300, barely over 300 actually. But I actually don't think this would be the best of moves for the team to just cut bait. After all, let's not forget for a second that this is a guy Preller wanted clearly traded Austin Allen and Buddy Reed for him plus they got rid of Luis Arias and I don't think that that would make a lot of sense to give up on him before the season even starts that's just I can't wrap my head around it at least let him bat for a little bit even if he sucks during the regular season like just just let him suck then like I don't it's not like we're saving tens of millions of dollars it's about saving potentially like no you're saving like five million potentially but still like I don't I don't like that I don't think it makes a lot of sense to dump a guy like this that Preller was seriously high on. And Profar, unlike most of the roster, especially with the infielders, he's he's a switch hitter, which means he can bat against right-handed pitching and left-handed pitching, which just gives you some some depth there. It just gives you some variety in the lineup that you can play around with. And if he regains his 2018 form, where he batted 254, 335, and 458, that was a slash line, and his OPS was just below 800, his defense was eh, but it was serviceable, it wasn't a liability then that's that's a solid guy to have in the infield for sure. And he's also still just 27, 
meaning that there's potential upside, unlike someone like Dozier, who, unless Dozier can recreate his some of those years in Minnesota, not even his season where he hit like 42 home runs, not even that, but just some years before that, that would be great. But I really think that Profar's got the upside. I don't like that this these stories are already coming out. Again, I think spring training is largely kind of useless, but clearly it's being used as a testing ground for whether or not guys can make the team. Not Manny Machado, not Tatis, and guys like that, but people like Profar and seeing whether or not he's going to make the roster and whether or not he's going to get cut. So this is a story I'm monitoring very closely, especially because the defense thing scares me, that if he might not even get a chance because his glove is so bad. Those are some notes that I had on just some observations from the past weekend. Nothing too crazy, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, got a little bit of a, a little thing to round out the show, I guess. And it's a little bit of a rant, you could call. So stay tuned, guys. You're listening to the Lockdown Padres Podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And we're back here, everybody, on the Lockdown Padres Podcast. My Friar Faithful homies, you know... I'm actually in a, in a good mood at the time of recording this because not only did I see the new My Hero Academia movie this weekend, but I just saw my, my, my friend of mine just texted me that Steven Spielberg stepped down as director of Indiana Jones 5 and James Mangold is in talks to overtake the project. And I say, I say this with all due respect, but Spielberg is a bit washed. Indiana Jones is also an old franchise that is washed too, but still it's being made. So, hey, you know, money and whatnot. I saw some people were saying, oh no, Steven Spielberg stepped down. But my, like I said, he's kind of washed and... James Mangold, who's one of the directors that I'm a big fan of. His last two movies were Ford v. Ferrari, which was an Oscar nominee, and Logan, also an Oscar nominee for Best Adapted Screenplay. And both those movies are ostensibly kind of about the tragedy of aging and the feeling of failure when looking back on your life. Well, at least for the latter, I would say, with Logan. But that's just a thing that's gotten me excited, I guess, and makes me actually kind of somewhat curious. This is a movie fan. Anyways, you know who else? Sorry about that little rant there. You know who else is a bit old and washed? That's Will Myers. And I must say, Will Myers, he does have a beautiful, transcendent, resplendent, gorgeous, illustrious, and immaculate swing. I make this look good. When he makes contact for once, which we saw yesterday with his towering home run. It was great to watch, but... I don't want to roast Myers today. In fact, I was in the mood for a rant, and this kind of propelled me what happened here with Will Myers, and that, that gave me this gave me a reason to rant, and that's that Will Myers did a little bit of a bat flip. And while I haven't seen anybody really complaining about it, this is spring training, it's also Will Myers. It's not a nationally televised game or anything major like that, so this isn't going to be talked all that much, but I just want to talk about bat flipping. That's right, folks. My first little mini rant of the season. Now we're talking. Aside from what I assume will be many to come on the Astros, but that topic has become a bit sort of oversaturated. I'm sure you guys don't want to be inundated with the Astros talk when the season will have plenty of it. I mean, come on, Altuve's first at bat, Bregman, Dusty Baker's post-game conference. It's going to be content, guys. Like, it's going to be great. But I don't want to overdo that too much. I want to talk about this bat-flipping thing. And I've always had an issue with this. And here's my thing. Pitchers are cowards, Okay. Pitchers in baseball are cowards. I've said this before on what's up, my friends. They're cowards, the biggest cowards in sports. Like, these people, and I'm not, this isn't based off of any reaction to this. You know, I'm just talking about in general. I want to get this out of the way before the season starts. So that way, I can just reference this when it inevitably happens again during the regular season when someone gets upset because someone does a bat flip. 
I just hate them. They're cowards. And the reason for this is this. I come from a world where if somebody's doing something you don't like, you kind of say something. You kind of stand up for yourself a little bit. And now I understand that there are power dynamics in play. I'm not trying to get too deep into it. But what I'm saying is... In other sports, you don't see this nonsense, this unwritten rule nonsense. You don't have Stephen Curry in the NBA shooting a three-pointer from 70 miles away and doing his little shimmy, and then some guy just goes over and wrecks him. They just you know, give him an elbow to the face or whatever the equivalent, right? Because when you're throwing a baseball at this level in Major League Baseball, it's practically an assault. Not to shout, sound like Adam Schefter and be like, assault. With, with a period or anything like that. But that's kind of what it feels like to me. And the only excuse is you're using a baseball and you're 90 feet away. And back to the coward thing, that's what I hate. They're cowards because they're 90 feet away. You got your first baseman to the left and your third baseman, then your catcher. Your whole, all your squad is behind you. So if you do this, what what do you what kind of message are you sending? And I hate that a, there's been a lot of times when, and one of the unwritten rule things is the bat flip. And I can't believe that these are controversies. And... Like I said, this Will Myers thing wasn't a controversy. I'm just using it to propel into a rant. Sorry if I'm doing general baseball talk, but that's what I wanted to do today. And I just can't stand it. Bat flipping is fun. Tim Anderson has been one of my favorite players in the league, literally because of this. Let baseball players be lit. That's what the great philosopher Javier Reyes says. Let baseball players be lit. It's ridiculous that the action of flipping a bat or showing any emotion that helps fans feel like they're watching people that aren't just clones of each other and just numbers on a spreadsheet, that it's downplayed and it's it's discouraged by all the baseball traditionalists and what have you. And I hate that. And I think it's nonsensical and it's pretty much stupid. You're only harming the sport. I mean, people look up to. Kids don't want to play a game where they feel like it's just a prison. They want a showboat. And like I said at the beginning of this, where I come from, you stop it. I got an idea, pitchers. You don't like a guy who's bat flipping? Strike him out. It's not that hard. You don't like that he stares at his home run for so long? Strike him out. Make him ground out. Do something. Don't do something where you're like, you're tarnishing the game and this is disrespectful. Or you hit him with a baseball. Whatever. That's just ridiculous and I can't stand it. And like I said, this is kind of my evergreen. You can cut this out for when it inevitably happens this season. When someone flips a bat and then someone gets upset about it. It's going to happen. And it's going to happen with not just trolls online or what have you, but it's probably going to happen with a former player. Anybody. Someone's going to complain about this. I do admit, though, that I think that this controversy has waned over the last few years. I do think that we don't talk about it nearly as much as we used to. You know, we don't have experts weighing in on, is this the blah, 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 blah. That's basically what I'm trying to say. It's so stupid, right? And... I do think it has subsided a little bit over the last few seasons, and I'm a big fan of just be crazy. You want dumb things like Tim Anderson throwing his bat into the other, not throwing it into the other dugout, but throwing it towards the other dugout, and people making these great like compilations or TikToks or what have you. You want people to talk about your game in a fun way. Have someone do a salute at the mound, and guess what? This goes both ways, by the way. Pitchers, if you strike somebody out, you could freak out too. You don't have to be overly obnoxious but when you pump your fists and you and you shout oh wait a second they already do that that's my whole thing guys pitchers are hypocritical they're cowards and i can't stand when they do this not all of them of course but i can't stand that why is it that the batter can't flip a bat come on guys this is literally sticks and stones i don't want to assume that i'm going to be in the mood to talk about this when it happens this season hopefully it doesn't happen with the padres because i don't want anybody getting hurt but let me tell you guys it's ridiculous Unwritten rules, they're garbage, don't belong in the game, and it is hurting the game, and it makes the baseball look really stupid. 
when you try and get other people who are fans of other sports into it. So that's all I really have to say about that. Hope you guys enjoyed my first little mini rant of the season. Probably going to be many more. I'm excited to give those. That does it for today's kind of brief edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Remember, the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Still making that joke. Remember to subscribe to the pod wherever you get your pods from. Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Apple Cop Podcasts, wherever. Do it. Remember to message me on any of my accounts, the Lockdown Padres account or my own account, with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have. Going to do some more episodes this week. Might have a guest coming on soon. We'll have to see if he gets back to me. And I'm really excited for that. Until next time, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.